0: Hello and thank you for listening to this Fund Board Council podcast. This is a 15-minute excerpt of our longer podcasts and the full podcasts are available exclusively to Fund Board Council members via their member portal. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out more about membership, please do contact us via our website at fundboards.org. In the meantime, happy listening. Hello and a very Welcome to this Fund Boards Council INED bootcamp discussion. Uh, We're delighted that in this session, Brandon Horwitz and I are going to be talking to four leading figures from the Financial Conduct Authority to get an update on their thinking on four important aspects of governance that have particular pertinence to both independent and executive directors on Fund Boards. In this session, we're going to delve into topics of culture and purpose, diversity, product governance, and assessment of value, and get the regulators' latest thinking on each of these topics as we go. Joining us today from the FCA are Nick Miller, Gary Murdoch, Chris Davis, and Aidan McAvoy, all of whom will be familiar faces to many of you, I'm sure, and we'll be introducing them and hearing more from each of them during this session, and you can read more about them in the bios that accompany the session too. But let me start off first by welcoming Nick Miller, Head of Asset Management Department at the FCA and he's where he's responsible for the supervision of the fund of fund management firms. Nick, thank you very much indeed for being with us today.
1: at all good to be here.
0: In the introduction, I mentioned that we're going to be covering four particularly important topics. So those of culture and purpose, diversity, product governance and, of course, assessment of value. And perhaps we can start off with just getting your opening thoughts on the importance of those topics to the FCA
1: no thank you and, and and thank you for the invitation it's really um, it's really good to be here i think the fund boards council is a, is a really important initiative that we're very, we're very keen to support and see grow and develop so um, fully supportive of your work and, and wish you a really good day today as well so um we'll speak in, in four four separate headings as you've outlined Catherine um and 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 Gary Chris, and Aidan will speak to each of them respectively but what I, what I do want to highlight I think is um we see an absolutely clear sort of link between all of them so we shouldn't see each of these headings as separate topics that have no interrelation whatsoever uh and purpose is the is the driving force here we think so um what is the point of your firm right why are you here what what would not be here if you, if, if you were not here uh, what is the value you add and if you think about your firm and your business model and your strategy in that way then then hopefully you can see that uh, there's a, there's a clear flow through to some of these some of these topics and indeed it speaks to almost all of what we expect uh, of a regulated firm particularly in the asset management sector uh, if you think about purpose in a really clear way um, you can work through all of those issues in, in a very logical and coherent way. If you see them as entirely disjointed, if you see them as the regulators asking us to fill out another form, if you see them as completely separate issues, then then you're not really going to be successful, we would argue. So culture and purpose, absolutely. They are. If you're clear on your purpose, your culture should flow from that and it should be clear what your staff are aiming to do, how well they're motivated, and how they treat their customers. And of course, diversity is absolutely critical to that because um, in the modern workplace, uh, certainly in 2021, um, it's just not acceptable to have a monoculture or to be claiming to be speaking, you know, to having producing products that are notionally accessible to the whole of the UK, but actually really t- designed with a target market in mind that's incredibly narrow. So diversity, really important. So I will speak on culture and purpose. And then Chris will pick up some of the uh, the messages and questions on, on diversity. Then Aidan will talk about product governance. And again, you, know, you can see a really clear... Uh, link here between purpose and, and product governance. So so what is the point of these products? Are they working? How do you know? Are they reaching your target market? Have you defined your target market? Who are they not suitable for? Um, so Aidan will speak on that. We've done a, a really interesting uh, uh, project, which I'm, I'm sure many of you will have read the, uh, the, the the communication we put out on in February. So that's that. And then um, probably the the key issue for the Fund Boards Council I suspect is the assessment and value piece, which Gary has been leading our work on and continues to. Uh, this is obviously a hugely important area for us, um, and very much follows from the market study uh, that concluded amazingly almost four years ago, actually, um, and and the policy work and the rule changes that we we brought in since then. So we've been doing um, some work on value assessments, looking at the products that the the the. the um, reports that have been produced, but also importantly, and I say this every time, we look at the process that has gone into that uh, report. So it's not just about the report, it's about the governance uh, that has led to it, and how effective and robust that has been. And again, purpose is really clear here. So we're asking you to ensure that your funds uh, are good value. And if you don't know what the point of them is, uh, how can you know if they're, if they're good value? What is What are they trying to achieve? What are they claiming to achieve? So hopefully you can see there's a nice coherence between all of these uh, topics. Um, uh, and um, I hope it will be a really interesting session.
0: Absolutely, yes. Thank you very much indeed. I want to just start on an area that you touched on right at the start there, Nick. And, and you were talking about how you know improving culture uh, is uh, and having per- healthy, purposeful cultures in in asset management firms is a priority for the FCA. Now, obviously, asset managers and um, authorised fund managers, in particular, are often subsidiaries of group businesses, and therefore, you know, can tend to be recipients of culture uh, and purpose rather than influencers necessarily. Has that presented particular challenges, and do you foresee foresee that continuing to be challenges for some firms?
1: So, I, I I think, Catherine, there are you know, there's all sorts of different business models in this sector. It's a very diverse sector in terms of legal structure and 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 um whether in degrees of independence and, and uh, with being within groups and there's global groups, there's unregulated groups, there's banking groups, there's very it's also it's it's hard to um, be too kind of general when we speak about these things. What I would say though is um, it, it's clear that often group culture does um, d- does flow through to the subsidiaries in, in the way that you would expect any large corporation to, to see um, and so it, they are often uh, asset management entities are highly dependent on, on group culture uh, and indeed sometimes when we if we if we observe a culture that's very very different um, between the asset manager and the group then we might ask questions about why that is as well so i don't think it's a particular i wouldn't say it's a particular issue um but we do still see cultures that are not fit for the modern workplace we certainly certainly that are not uh, coming up to our expectations and it's sometimes that is, it is the case that that's that's the result of a result of a kind of osmosis from group uh, sometimes it's because the the there is n- no real clear delineation between what is a group what is an asset management bit of the firm and what's what's you know what's the wealth manager what's the advisor part um, so it's all very difficult to, to very difficult to to generalize um the point is you need you need you need really effective cultures in in the modern world and certainly to come up to our uh, standards, but do we see a particular issue with with kind of in-house, as it were, businesses than, than others? I, I don't think we do.
2: Well, um, Nick, just to say that uh, we did, um, in the market study itself, we, we called out the, the lack of seniority in um, on, on AFM boards. Um, so you, you might, um, might be a bit of a misuse of English, but the juniority, if you like, yes. of, of uh, AFM boards and the fact that they were at that time um, it, it, our perception was that they were kind of taking um, instructions from from the group, and, and were staffed by people who were relatively junior. Now, the, the p- part of the part of the remedy that we, uh, part of the package of remedies that we brought in, was of course to change that dynamic by requiring AFM boards to have independent non-executive directors. So we we would expect that that dynamic will be changing within groups.
1: Yeah, and I think now I think that's absolutely right, Gary, and probably more broadly, actually. Um, how, how clear are firms on, on what, what part of the business is the AFM and what isn't um, and how much does that, how much does the AFM drive the culture because we, we continue to see the AFM as, as a really Im- critical part of that infrastructure um, and you can't treat the AFM as just a, just a, a legal entity um, that's there for compliance purposes, it's, it's really not, it's really an important entity and that, but again that's true whether that's within a group or whether that's an independent or you know and um, so on and so forth.
0: Thank you. And, and one of the other areas that I'm quite interested to ask you about was, was around uh, sort of ESG, but almost ESG within the firm itself. Mm-hmm. So obviously you see a lot of focus by the nature of these organisations on ESG within investment products. Are you seeing evidence of asset managers sort of turning that spotlight almost inwards on themselves and kind of role modelling the features of ESG that they expect to see in the firms in which they invest uh, within their own organisations? And I suppose especially when it comes to, to governance.
1: So it's, it's a really interesting question, isn't it, Catherine? I, speak to, I suppose it speaks to kind of the dual role of asset managers to some extent, which is this stewardship role over the, the companies they invest in and to ensure that um, they're being well run. And of course, ESG is, is is such a hot theme at the moment. It's no surprise that the industry is very much focused on that. But there's also, of course, a role about running themselves and ensuring that their, their own businesses are being um, are upholding the appropriate standards and so on. And That speaks a lot to the, the culture discussion we just had. So there's constantly this dual role. And I think in both cases, you need to firstly, you need to recognize that there are two kind of two two elements to it. And in both cases, it can never be superficial. right? So, uh, when it comes to your products, we're still seeing products come to us um, which, frankly, have a you know a sticker on the front that says this is a green fund, and perhaps one stock has been removed from the, the previous investment strategy, and, and that's it. Um, and that's not good enough. And similarly, if if your firm is um, notionally, going through the um, the motions of of good governance, but actually the decisions are really being taken somewhere else. And the board minutes read uh, verbal discussion all the time. And uh, you can you're resisting having an appropriate um, number of independent non-executives, and they don't have the right experience, and they're your mate from ten years. You know all these kinds of que- so the question is always: Is it are these issues being being dealt with properly, strategically? Uh, coherently across the business in a really deep and meaningful way or is it just superficial uh, kind of marketing and i'm'm I'm, I'm obviously um those are kind of the book bookends aren't they so I'm not suggesting any firm is either at either end of that spectrum uh, but it is really important that firms are challenging themselves properly so I think there is more work to be done on governance now to be clear on governance specifically I think we have seen significant improvements generally speaking across the sector in the last few years um, it's still, I think, it still lags behind the sell side to some extent in some ways. But nevertheless, I think we have seen clear improvements. And actually, the work of the fund board's council, the introduction of the independent non-execs that that Gary mentioned, I think is has been a clear benefit. I think firms are not only uh, accepting the need for independence, but very often actually recognising the value of having an independent uh, perspective. And and that is really key to ensuring you you've got a well-governed firm. It's uh, it's 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 the individual that who puts their hand up and says, actually, I've got a question. Here I'm not sure about this figure in Chart A, 25 or whatever it is. You know, that's that's the kind of thing you need to see. Um, so we are seeing improvements there, and that is not entirely true across the piece. I think independence is still a kind of a battle that we're yet to win. Uh, in some cases, uh, the recognition of its value, even if it's even if firms accept that that is the the trend, they don't always accept it's got its own kind of independent value as it were. Um, and there's another issue which I think actually coronavirus kind of speaks to quite. Quite clearly, which is, um, you know, it, it's kind of yeah, it works during peacetime, uh, and therefore it will it will work during a crisis, and that's more. And the question then is, well, is that luck or is that judgment? So. Um, what we what we do want to see are properly articulated governance frameworks. We do want to see policies and procedures. We do want to see board discussions that are properly recorded. Um, we do want to see clear allocations of responsibilities and who who does what um, in peacetime and during a crisis. And we are, I think, we're, firms are starting to recognise the need to really embed those processes, embed those frameworks. You can't just rely on on the goodwill and, and the competence of the people you happen to have at, in positions that that are Particular time, you need to ensure that it's uh, sustainable in the in the proper sense of the word. And and COVID has shown that actually, okay, great, the sector came through um, from an operational resilience perspective pretty well. But we have been banging that drum for a number of years, um, and it is it does show that you cannot assume <laughs> that things will constantly will be this. You know, today will be the same as yesterday because um, we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So really embedding those processes, getting them fully. Um, uh, fully embedded and also and recognised by senior management uh, as 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 something that is useful again something that's valuable not something that is is being put forced upon them uh, I suppose by the regulator that's where we want to get to so I think we're we're making progress Catherine I would say but um, still a lot of work to do.
0: Thank you very much indeed. Very good to hear your perspective on that. and There's a lot of food for thought, I think, for people listening uh, to those comments. Thank you very much, Nick. Now, Nick, as you mentioned earlier on, um, uh, of course, an important part of creating that healthy culture uh, is all about um, ensuring that uh, organisations can draw on a diverse range of experience, backgrounds, skills, uh, thinking. Um, and I'm very pleased to welcome Chris Davis, who is a manager at the FCA's Asset Management Department and responsible for supervision of a number of investment firms, but is here today to talk about um, the FCA's work on, on diversity. Um, now, Chris, we have a, a number of questions for you on this, but I wondered if you could just first start off by very briefly telling us, you know, how does the FCA approach the topic of diversity?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And much like Nick, very happy to be here. And I think it's interesting on diversity because I think when it comes to investments, asset managers as a whole invade, sort of embrace diversity of the concept. Um, but when it's applied internally and even in relation to, for example, ESG, where DNI is becoming more relevant, I think there's still some significant progress to be made. Um, as board members, I'd actually argue that DNI is actually one of the more clear and obvious issues to see, and I'd probably point to keep. Sort of three key factors, if I may. So. I think the first is really the persistence of the pay gaps that we've seen in both gender and ethnicity. Um, and there's some significant data on that that's coming out and has been coming out for a while now. Um, I think the second point is really the underrepresentation of professionals from diverse backgrounds, particularly at senior levels. Um, I think the fumble council itself a few years ago looked at how many, for example, uh, females were on boards. Um, and I think that's also a lack of progress made within roles, which I think is a suggestive of a, of a lack of inclusion as well. I think the third key point I'd probably point to is lack of comprehensive data collection on employee diversity. Um, So I think that's let alone about clients and investors whom they represent, just employees of your own organisation. So I think that's a key factor as well. And I think for the FCA, it's increasingly a key part of how we assess a firm's culture, alongside our belief that you mentioned that healthy cultures are really key mitigant to consumer market harms, um, and I think all of this sort of combines into a risk that you're poorly serving that sort of diverse community because you actually don't understand it. Um, so I think there is uh, three key factors that I'd point to. There's probably more I could add, but I think that's that's probably a good opening.
0: We hoped you enjoyed that uh, 15 minute excerpt. If you did and you'd like to find out more about how you can access the full recording uh, or about FBC membership in general, please contact us via our website at funboards.org.